Drum roll. I think this is the first time we've done a drum roll. We've never done a drum roll, but we just, Jamie, thank you. Uh, Jamie's a residential musician. All right, guys, welcome to episode four of Campfire Conversations podcast. I am Josh Hugo. You sounded like the DJ at the strip club. All right. Cinnamon on the main stage. Here for Rebecca. <laughs> Rebecca and Cinnamon. That sounds like a very uh, multicultural strip club. So it, it sounds like one of the whiskeys that we're probably. I think it does. Well, welcome back to episode uh, four. I know it's been a little bit. Our viewers are texting me and listeners are texting me constantly saying, when is the next episode? And here we are at the turn of November. I am here with uh, three really good friends. Uh, Brian McDonald, a guest, uh, first-time guest to our show tonight. First-time caller, long-time listener. That's right. That's yeah, right. Brian, want to say a few words? Yeah, uh, thanks for having me, Josh. Jamal, good to meet you. Um, looking forward to talking about this. I'll give a little more background about myself, I think, when we get into it. But uh, excited to be here. Thanks, ma'am. Jamal, what's good? Same shit, different toilet. Jamie, what's good? It's nice to be indoors with all of you. On this uh, lovely evening. Yeah, yeah. Can we talk about that for a yeah. quick second. Yeah, so our cameras, if they're working, which I hope they are, courtesy of my job and some generous teachers. Um, yeah, we are clearly inside. Um, we could debate whether this constitutes a campfire. I, I don't know if it does, but it sure is a real fire. Random fact, apparently, you pointed this out. You can no longer build homes in Denver with wood burning fireplaces. This home was built before that rule, and so we now have a wood-burning fireplace inside. Just too dangerous, right? Uh, I think so. You can still install wood, but it has to be high efficiency, which is basically like a stove. So there's a, like a metal door on it. Mm. It looks kind of stupid, I think. Yeah. I'm super jealous of your Ooh. fireplace. My parents has one, has, it's has great. one back home. It's, it's, it's great. amazing. So we're, no, we're not campfire. Like We're not on a campfire. We're not camping. But um, thanks I, to my partner, Lindy, for allowing us to take over the living space tonight. Absolutely. She's wonderful. I would like to point out that I am not a fan of fireplaces and houses. I think they're stupid. I think that you maybe turn them on maybe three times a year, and it's a waste of space. And, but, I mean, I understand people love fireplaces. For me in my house, I have a gas fireplace, and I turn that bitch on maybe twice a year. That's going to be an unpopular opinion here. I'm but, fine with that. Um, <laughs> Fight me. You know, this one is, you got to actually build this fire. It's not gas. It's real wood. And it uh, takes a little time to get it going, but it leaves the house uh, a bit warmer, but it also smells good. So, um, hey, so this show tonight is going to, um, this is our first time that our, our newer guest tonight, our new guest tonight, Brian, has just met the rest of uh, the people on well, on the other side of the couch, so Jamel and Jamie. So I thought what would be appropriate, and I have it on paper because I'm going to forget these questions. It's going to be rapid fire. Jamie, you can answer these questions. No elaboration. We're going to do a little team builder to get to know people. So cool. Let's go, team. Here we go. First question. Uh, we'll start with Brian, and then everyone answers it. Name, place of origin, and your height. Uh, Brian McDonald. I grew up in North Jersey. I'm a Jersey boy, and I'm about five foot ten. Jamel, are you a shark? Or are you a jet? I'm a giant. <laughs> uh, Name, place of origin, height. Jamel, 
place of origin, California, mm. but I am from Denver. Um, height, I am 5'11", but I'm six foot when I wear my Tims. Mm. So 5'11". Jamie. <laughs> uh, Jamie, Philadelphia, five foot nine inches. Josh Hugo, uh, Illinois, Northern Illinois, six foot three. Were Next. we supposed to answer that like Key and Pill, like the, you know the, uh, the Breakershaw Ferguson, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, Jack Marius <laughs> Tack Thrayer trick, yeah, <laughs> yeah Jack Marius Tack Thrayer trick, Josh Smith BYU. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next question. Uh, starting with Jamie, what's your favorite color? Mm-hmm. Used to be blue. I'm on green these days. Jamel, red. Brian, second vote for green. Blue. What season is your least favorite, Jamel? Winter. Summer, probably. Jamie. Tie, summer, winter. Mm, we might need shit. I like all the seasons. I wrote the question. I didn't even think of an answer. I'm going to go. Get off the fence, goddammit. Fuck. Fall. No. Ah, damn it. <laughs> I like them all. Okay, hot dogs. Rank them one to seven. <laughs> Brian. Oh God! I don't even know if I know seven brands. Um, no, not ra- not not seven brands. Dirty, dirty seven? No, dogs. no, no. Seven. Seven is you love them. One is you hate them. Oh, I didn't okay. specify the question. Rank them. Oh, <laughs> um, You're feeling about you hot know, dogs. Something about a dirty water dog in Manhattan really hits the right spot. I'd give that a six. Six. Jamie, hot dogs. Chicago, like that spot in Chicago that everyone. What's your number, though? Give seven. me a number. So you love seven. Okay. Yeah. I'm just talking general. We can get specific to regional. If I just said hot dogs right now, what is zero. your number? I'm a zero on eating a hot dog right oh, now. Oh, that's a that's bummer. Okay. Well, let's go back to Brian then with that specificity. Hot dogs. Reaction. One to seven. Seven, you love them. <laughs> One, you Six. hate them. Six. Okay. Hey, good answer. Jamel. 5.263. I love hot dogs. Seven, You're and I'm a, a vegan gobbler? man. I know. Are you a glazy gobbler? Yeah, that's what. I'm a what? Nothing. Go ahead. Next a glazy question. gobbler. Yep. Shit, I'm gonna look that up. All <laughs> right. What was the name of your first pet, Brian? Shannon. Jamel. Milo. Skittles. Joe. Follow-up question: What kind of animal was <laughs> Shannon? Golden Retriever. Shih Tzu. Black and white cat. Goldfish. All right. Pet peeves. Joe the goldfish. Joe the goldfish. He ended up dying, and we we threw him in a river. And um, it was this time of year. I was five, and I remember we dumped him over the bridge, and he landed on a piece of floating ice. (laughs) And he just floated down the river on a piece of ice. So he never actually... He had a sort of Viking funeral. He did have a Viking funeral. (laughs) That's pretty I I was five. That's like an early... I feel like it's very traumatic. It was, yeah. I still remember yeah, I really befriend all the Joes in my life very closely. Um, this one's a tr- trickier one. you got to think about it. Pet peeves others have that you think are ridiculous pet peeves. Oh, pet peeves that other people have that you think is ridiculous. I'll go first. Yeah, Jamie. Like sitting in grass on your, like, just with your pants. People who have, like, that's that a pet like peeve. Not, you can't understand like that. Like, that would not sit in grass. Just, like, put the okay, grass, that's good on the grass. Mm-hmm. Okay. Tapping your knee. Mm. People yeah. hate when you tap your knee, and you're just like, I don't give a fuck. Yeah. Mm. Uh, <laughs> um, 
um, when people say um, that bothers some people. I'm just like, I don't give a fuck. Mm. Yeah, but when they say mm, that really bothers me. Though. The verbal crutch. Yeah, sorry, I just did it. <laughs> I'm joking. Uh, pet peeves, pet peeves that others have. I love how Hugo has written down these questions and, and he can't. Hey, I'm he a facilitator. <laughs> I don't need to know shit. <laughs> I don't need to know shit. Pet peeves others have that you think are silly. <laughs> Who came up with this? Oh, fuck. I, I'm going to come back to that one. All right. <laughs> last, last place you ate at outside of your house? Uh, um, a banquet, sports banquet. Where was it? At the school. It literally mm. just happened. Who catered it? Uh, a former student's mom. Oh. Or and a current student's mom. Was it good? The Cooch family. Hmm. Oh, Allie's. Yes. Wow. Well, Vietnamese, right? Uh, Cambodian. Cambodian. Okay. Delicious. How's it? That's awesome. Last place you ate at. Tacos, you don't have to include my house. All Mocahete in Longmont. Mm. Mm. Jamie. Uh, we played at the Fox and went across the street to the deli. It's like a nice deli. Mm. Got like a hero and a shawarma. Both. You ate both? Uh, my brother. We each you ate split half them. each. Nice. Uh, Saigon Terrace up the street. Some pho. Which apparently my students love because I carry that into the cafeteria. And they're like, "Oh man, can I? What is? It? Is that pho?" I'm like, "It's very clearly pho." Yeah. And I was like, like, "It is for real." Yeah, it is <laughs> for real. Yeah. All right, last place. Wait, I'm you- sorry, real quick. I'm gonna jump in. I have a uh, sorry. I no, this no, no, no. I have a um, restaurant idea. You get pho, mix it with barbecue, call it pho show. What city? Is this in? Probably, for sure. probably Oakland. I'm missing. Uh-huh. Wait, what's the second word? Because, you know, for like, sure. For sure. Oh. But barbecue, you mix pho with barbecue. And people be saying pho show. Yeah. Pho like show. Vietnamese and black people come together. Mm. Once again. I feel like we got to hashtag that one and see. No one has yet to respond in this podcast to any of these verbal prompts. <laughs> Some bullshit. <laughs> All right. Well, if you do have thoughts in a place called pho show, um, Jamel has unofficially trademarked that. You need to speak with him first. For real. Hey, last place you saw a football game in person. Boulder. Notre Dame Stadium. Ryan Field, Northwestern. Eagles lost to Giants in overtime. Comeback, Plexigo. Or no, yeah, it was Plexigo. Plexigo Burris? No, was he on there? He may have tr- left the Steelers. Yeah, they just had. I was just there watching them like throw bombs to some awesome receiver, and we. But are we, are we talking pro- professional football? Or it like could have been school? literally football. Oh, well, then East High School. East High School. Yeah. Okay. And I was wrong. I had actually gone to a Broncos game like three years ago. Fuck oh, Broncos. that's true. Me too, actually. <laughs> yeah. Well, no one remembers those games. Field. Yeah. Yeah. Forget- forgettable Raiders. experience. Um, first funny word that comes to mind. Kerfuffle. Fa. Naga high. <laughs> Moist. That one is always, that's a good one. One reason you're excited to be here tonight. Jamel. Whiskey. Brian. I agree with whiskey, but first podcast is pretty cool. First podcast. Jamie. Two camera angles. Two camera angles. First indoor podcast, another guest, returning people. I love doing this, so I'm excited to be here. So tonight, I think a natural segue from like a little bit of connecting um, some questions is I wanted to bring up the question that I wonder about and a little bit of stage setting for this is, and I feel badly because there still is a chance that this friendship could happen, but about two months ago, 
um, Lindy and I went out for um, just a beer. We biked into town. We stopped at some brewery during the UMS, actually, Jamie, like on that mm-hmm. Sunday, the U- Underground Music Showcase. <coughs> and we ran into this really lovely couple. We sat down at the table with them, and we just started having a conversation. You know, we hung out for the afternoon for a little bit and just talked. And they were similar to our age, reminded us of some of our other friends who I've known for a while. And we, you know, traded some information at the end of it. And a few different opportunities since that happened, um, this this guy has reached out. He's like, hey, would you like to come to see my show? And I was like, I would love to. It's a Friday night. I have a volleyball game with my kids. I didn't go to it. I felt badly. It was a true answer. And then they invited us to a Halloween party, and Lindy was not feeling well, so we didn't go. But in my head, I'm like, that's the first time like I've even had a, like a person outside of a group of people from work or my current friends who... I'm like, is this a chance to create a new friendship? And it, it hasn't happened yet. It may not happen. Who knows? And if, if Darren, you end up listening to this, like, <laughs> hey, give me a call. But um, I was thinking about this as like making friends. Just like I don't know whether I want to frame this as is it hard to make friends or why is it hard to make friends or is it easy to? But I just kind of wanted to open the question up because I think for people, you know, all of us are closing in on the end of our, our third decade here. And um I think making friends can be uh, complicated. And so I, I just, I thought that maybe we could talk about that as a chance here. You know, one of my old friends, Brian, meeting one of my old friends, Jamel and Jamie, um, kind of a little bit about friendship in this space. But yeah, I mean, open-ended. When I say like, what is it like to make friends at this age for you? Uh, love love your thoughts. Uh, can I ask, was it, more of a question of making friends as a couple or making friends as an individual? No, I think, I mean, it could be both, but I, I, I think it's like making a new friend, mm-hmm. making a new friend. It could be through a couple, right? Like, Teresa's friends, you know, who have a husband, like, you'll see him at a, an event and, like, you know, be cool with it. But are you calling them and setting up a time to hang out after that? Like, that kind of level of friendship is kind of what I'm getting at. So... Yeah, what do you think? Uh, I mean, it's it's hard. I have probably good, maybe good perspective on this because I lived in, after I graduated from college, Josh and I graduated from Notre Dame together for everyone that doesn't know. Um, oh, we all know. <laughs> <laughs> what school was that again? <laughs> Notre Dame. Note, Notre Dame. Um, we have a football team. Um, <laughs> we just crushed USC last uh, two weekends ago. Nice. It's amazing. Nice. Yeah. Um, but I lived in New York City for 13 years and moved here actually during the pandemic. So I moved to Colorado in January of 2021 um, for work. Mm-hmm. And that was when like you could go to a bar and if they even let you in in the first place, you weren't allowed to talk to anyone who you didn't show up with. Um, mm-hmm. So moving here then in my mid-30s was kind of a unique experience. Um and it's definitely hard. I mean, even since then, it's been hard to make friends. So Olga and I, my girlfriend, we live together in Longmont. Um, you know, we've gone out and sort of tried to do that. She's joined a mm-hmm. couple of meetup groups for hiking and climbing and things like that. It's really hard to get it to that level, Josh, mm. of, hey, I'm going to call you and you're going to like come over for dinner. It's like, we'll run into them at the gym or something, and that's right. great. But it sort of ends there. Do you, do you think that you're a... Uh uh, introvert or an extrovert? I think uh, that plays into it. Yeah, it, it does, does for sure. Um, 
I'm probably somewhere in the middle. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Um, but Olga's definitely a bit of an introvert. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think that probably is a factor. Although with that being said, if I think about myself now versus 15 years ago when I was just starting in New York City, you're in your 20s. It's a social right. place. Right. Like you're out trying to make friends everywhere you mm. go. Were you like an eight on the do. extrovert scale at that point? With Nine. enough whiskey, I was. Um, <laughs> yeah. And there was a lot more of it then than there is yeah. now. Um, but I guess my point is today, looking at it in my late 30s, it kind of, this is going to be a weird thing to say, but it kind of doesn't matter as much, really. Mm. That's fair. Um, because, you know, you're out there and you're, you know, me and a bunch of friends all moved to New York City at the same time after we graduated college. You're not broke for the first time in your life. There are, hundreds of thousands of people in your age cohort Mm -hmm. all looking to go out and build friends and relationships like it's really important then to do that i think Mm. now Mm -hmm. we later on in our careers relationships themselves are a lot more established than they were at that point in time so you know josh we've known each other for almost 20 years now we've stayed in touch over all that time yeah you know not Frequently always, but, you know, we've always been in contact. Same thing with close friends and family. I mean, when I moved here, I had friends from the East Coast visiting almost every weekend for Mm. the first six months that I was here. So, like, there's a more, there's more maturity in the friendships, I think, that you do have, as opposed to going and trying to build more organically, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Yeah, thanks. So, I mean, from what you're saying is, like, some of those roots get established in such a critical place in life that even if that is not maybe growing rapidly after a few years and you kind of move into, those roots are still there. Yeah. yeah. How about you, Jamel? Um, I, I think what Brian was saying is, is, is pertinent because it's like when you're younger, you're trying to create relationships, and then now that you're older, those relationships that you created when you're younger are more established, and these mm-hmm. are the people that are like, this is kind of my group, right? Um, but outside of that, I think for me, I want to cultivate relationships that are um, introduced to me. So, example, like my wife, she mm-hmm. has her girlfriends that she grew up in, and then I meet the husband or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And then for me, it's like, hey, like my wife and your wife are best friends. We're, uh, we're, we're friends by default. So right. then, like, right. I, I make a point of being like, hey, let's go do this. Or I'm in town. Like, for example, I was in town. Um, I had a homeboy who had tickets to the UGA versus Georgia Tech game. Mm. Um, so I was like, hey, let me get a couple extra tickets, and then I'm going to bring the husbands with me. So that's, that's cool. That's, that's kind of what I did. So, so you, yeah, that's really you've cool. taken yeah. your wife's like women friends yeah. and did not know their husbands, partners, yeah. whatever, and you've kind of brought them in. Yeah, because I mean, we're cool. we're gonna be around each other. Our wives yeah. are best friends, right? They grew up together, yeah. so we're gonna be around each other. So we might as well be cool, right? So uh, yeah. over this this we we try to do a friends trip every year, um, and this year we went to Houston. Um, so I got the fellas together, and hey, we're gonna go to an Astros game. Mm. So we went to an Astros game, um, which is actually pretty dope. We uh, we left at the beginning or the the top of the eighth, and then they scored. Uh, the game-winning home run. A lot of cheating must have happened on that trip. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. Cheating with the Astros. That's 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 what we were. That's what I meant. Yes, yes. Just to be clear for anybody that's (laughs) listening. That's cool, man. I I appreciate that because as I think about friends, you know, I've been introduced to. I think both both things have been true for me. To certainly what Brian has shared is 
everyone in this room with me has been, I've known Jamel since 2010, Brian since 2006, Jamie about the same as Jamel, 2011, 2010. Yep. It's been a while. And, you know, my, Lindy, Lindy has introduced me to several of her um, friends. She has great friends, and the husband's uh, boyfriends are great guys. What I have not done is that next level of, like, I, I've known um, Lindy's best friend, Heather, and her husband, Chris, for, like, almost three years now. Um, have you and tried I to got texted. I got texted by Heather, who I, I had her number, um, because at some point I needed to talk. I don't know why I did, because yeah. I think in case Lindy was with her, and, oh, Lindy had lost her phone. So I think I first got Heather's number just, like, three months ago, and I didn't even have Chris's number until, like, three years into this relationship. But Chris is a great guy, like, and he, t he and I, I think, connect well when we talk. But I think what you've done is you've taken that gap from, like, hey, it's my wife's friend's husband to, like, he's going to be my friend. And that's cool. Let me, let be me ask you that. So, like, um, Chris is his name? Mm -hmm. Have you ever tried to reach out to Chris? Not other than through the settings in which I'm hanging out with, with Lindy and, and Heather. Why? I think there's a few reasons. The, 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 the lame answer is time. Mm -hmm. Like, that was the thing that came yeah. up when I, going back to the original one with this other, like, Lindy, it was like, we don't even have time to see our own friends yep. consistently. I don't, like, and, and all of my friendships seem to operate in chapters, mm -hmm. right? Like, Jamie and I have had some, like, real thick chapters. We've had some thin chapters. You and I, same. Like, this is, a, this is more of a connecting chapter, Brian and I, like, that That was a very sparse, like, seven years, a couple of contacts, a couple of calls, maybe one visit. And then we've had, like, times where we see each other a bunch. And I think knowing that that happens with people I really want to spend time with, it's hard for me to, like, almost justify adding in another person mm. when I feel bad about not being able to invest my energy into the current friends I, yeah. I have. There's something to be said for that. I mean, there's a real... Jamel, to your point, like you've made the effort, mm -hmm. right? Where you've taken that step and you've said, I'm going to proactively reach out and build a relationship here. Like yeah. that's hard. Like, and Josh is right. Time is a big factor. It's like everyone's working. A lot of people have kids, you know, we're at an age where we're not going out four times a week. Right, like right. we were when we were in our twenties, you could hang out and make friends by accident then. Mm -hmm. Cause you go to the same places. Yeah. Like that's not happening anymore. So it really does take that proactive next step to, to take it to the next. I think for me, I, 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 to, to, uh, to agree with your point and to Josh's point about not having the time, I think, but for me, like, I go to Georgia every Thanksgiving because that's where Treese is from. And so, like, we go to Georgia where we're in Augusta where she's from. I'm going to be out there and I'm just going to be sitting on my ass for a couple of days. Not, I mean, love hanging out with her family, but I, you know, in the, at night I want to watch a football game. They don't really want to watch football. Well, who am I going to watch football with? So I think it's, it's a, in my own self-interest to, to make friends with somebody in a new city, right? Mm -hmm. But um, putting yourself in a situation that it requires that you make a friend, I think is, is also part of that as well, is that, if that makes sense. It does. But I guess my only comment to that is the reason's kind of irrelevant in the end, right? Yeah, like, no, that's fair. That's true. Like, work friends yep. are just as sort of foisted upon you and mm -hmm. sort of arguably self-interested. Yep. Um, but they persist nevertheless. Yep, yep. I mean, Josh was a work friend, but now it's my guy, so. Yeah, yeah. I, I think you also mentioned this, Brian, 
is I think there are these, these creative phases in life where you're creating more things than others. And I think that 20-ish, early-ish phase is a lot about creating a lot of things, right? Creating the first experience living outside the home, other than college, which is kind of like a transitional space. Um, creating new friends, creating new jobs, creating new like sense of, of adulthood. And I mean, for me, I, I think I have reverted to my natural like introvert, extrovert balance of probably a five and a half to six, where sit 10 is an extrovert, one is an introvert. You can do the opposite, but I, I lean slightly extroverted. I can put on extroversion mm -hmm. without a ton of strain. And sometimes, sometimes I need a little bit of an introverted moment. But when I was 23, I was like an eight. And I was around more extroverted people, and they were like 10 and a half out of 10. That pushed me up. Like, I was very much there, and I made a lot of friends. And some of whom I'm still, like, connected with. Does, but does that translate to your work life? So you're in front of people all the time. You're in front of kids a lot, right? right. But you're also in front of their parents. You're in front of right. family members or whatever. Being an extrovert or being able to have conversations with people that you don't necessarily have conversations with, I think is a big part of your job, right? Right. So does that play into that as well? Like, not that you have to make friends with these parents, right. but you have to have a connection with them. Yeah, I think leaning a little extroverted can help in a job where you interact with a lot of people. Right. Like, I don't... Some like this energizes me. Like mm -hmm. I am not exhausted by talking with people. That tends to be more of an extroverted trait, right? Some people like they get home after doing this kind of job that you and I have, and you do too. Like you, you manage a bunch of people too. They're exhausted. Mm -hmm. Like I had to put everything in my within myself to like show up, to be able to talk and not cuss somebody out. Right. So I think <laughs> like I, I, I like that part. So. Yep. I'm like, I think I'd probably say I'm like a, a healthy six to, to seven in my work. I can't be a 10 all the time because that will burn you out. And if you're a one, you're not going to be so effective. Gotcha. Yeah. What is your kind of one to 10 overall? You're, you're more, extra, I think you're more extroverted than me. I actually hate people. So, um, <laughs> no, I, I think um, by nature, I'm an extrovert. Um, yeah. I would say it's seven, seven and a half. Yeah. But I, 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 I actually genuinely like to get to know things mm -hmm. about people. I get interested in a lot of stuff. So like, I like, I'll, I'll be at a brewery. This happened recently. I was at a brewery and a guy sat down next to me, and <laughs> the question of the day was, what country has the most attractive women? And he we said. That's the question that I came up with. Or we well, had this conversation, right? You had it prior to us hanging out in the summer. And oh, yeah, well, we were at the, the brewery. Remember, yeah. we, we were at um, yeah. that one brewery. Yeah, and, um, GVR. And we talked to the guy, and he was from Australia or something like that, yeah. right? And he was talking to us about AI and stuff yeah. like that. So then that the conversation went off on there. And if I wanted to, I could be like, hey, dude, let me grab your number. I'll text you sometime or something right. like that. But, but that's just kind of like... You didn't. Yeah. You didn't. That's the, But that's the kind of person that I am. Like, yeah. I, I'll talk to, to anybody randomly. To my dad. Yeah. What, like when we th we're talking about introversion and extroversion in terms of what it is that we have within ourselves that leads us towards an inclination to either build a friendship or not, what is it that we're looking for in friendships from others? What is it that you look for, Brian or Jamel, 
when you think about like what qualities make it feel worthwhile to either initiate or to sustain or to further build a relationship with, with I think I think friends. my most uh, sustained relationships or my, my strongest longest lasting relationships are people that obviously like we were talking about in my 20s and stuff like that mm. but if I'm meeting new people now something I'm looking for is something outside of what I've known with those relationships that mm. I've had for 20 30 years or whatnot right so like uh, a lot of my guys we grew up together we grew up in the same neighborhoods or at least in the same city um, I kind of know what they're gonna think or how they're gonna act mm -hmm. but I want to know what somebody else that isn't in that that friend group how are they going to react why why is it important to you um, and then i want to hear brian too it, it's important to me because i again like i said i want to learn it's important to me because i i i want to listen to different sides of conversations mm. right um sometimes you get tired of hearing the same thing i say this all the time uh i'll listen i'll uh on xm or i'll watch uh cnn a lot mm -hmm. and then i'll turn over to fox news not because i like fox news because right. i just want to hear what the other side has to say right mm. um so i just i really just want different parts of of different opinions on on same subjects if that makes sense that's cool yeah, yeah. i'm thanks, also a weirdo so talking about that yeah Brian, I, what I, about you i think something similar i think to me there's two parts to it and one is probably the same as what you said but maybe in different words and through a little bit of a different lens but i have to it has to be someone i can respect mm -hmm. so it can't just be you know, some rando with nothing to contribute to a conversation. Like there has to be some Facts. substance there and mm -hmm. like a thoughtful engagement in conversation. Mm -hmm. um, and not to put like a selfish lens on it, but there is a little bit of a selfish lens on it, yeah. which is like, what am I learning or absorbing from Absolutely. this? Absolutely, I agree. And it's sort of like you say, like, is this going to help me learn a new point of view? Mm. Or alternatively, I would actually say, maybe to my detriment that the opposite is probably in, mm -hmm. in some ways true of me where I want to make friends who help me get out and do give me more opportunities yep. to do the same stuff that I'm always already going to do. No, that's so that's it's fair. like, I'm going to try and go skiing 40 days this year. If I can make friends who are going to go out and be like, Hey, we're going take Thursday off. I want more of that. Mm. So it's looking to kind of fit, fit in the same interests that are going to yeah. help me further those interests I guess you could say I think to your point I think it is selfish but I think it's well within reason right because like why, why else are you gonna have a friendship you're not gonna have that a friendship my, be like, what's, well, what's the and, purpose and, and it's yeah. also not one-sided right yep, either absolutely. like presumably if you befriend someone and start strike up a conversation because you think you're gonna learn something from it presumably you're also engaging in that conversation and sharing just as much yeah. as you're getting from it so like I think that mm that's why I say like it's it's sort of selfish but not really because you have sort of both sides of the yep. relationship yeah. are both gaining from it that's the only reason I'm friends with Jamie I just smoke all of his weed mutual, mutual veto <laughs> Jamie is a professional who abides by all laws and regulations of our federal government the right. federal government the state government there you go alright yeah <laughs> we're good there Yes. Um, Disclaimer, I actually don't smoke weed at all. I wish I did. I wish I liked weed as much as people like white weed. The feds. <laughs> yeah, just in case. The feds like a lot just of in case you're listening, Steve Jobs. <laughs> is he dead? Is he? Steve Jobs? No, who is the guy who died from Apple? Steve Jobs died, right? 
but like is he six ten years, years ago, ago or something? Ten but years is ago, he? He's hanging out with Tupac in Cuba. I'm joking, Josh. Go to the next. Go man, to the next one. my mind, man. <laughs> No, well, I and, yeah, and I don't smoke weed. See how we already got digressed on that. We have digressed hard, but <laughs> going back to, I think what I'm hearing is that a, a friendship that is strong should be mutually sustaining, mm-hmm. right? Like it, like any good relationship is, and I, I think Lindy has said it in a much more articulate way, but sometimes it's one person who brings the other person back into it and sometimes it flips and sometimes it's balanced. But I, I think that you you need to always have something that you are gaining from a friendship. And maybe when you're younger, that gain is more material. Uh, it may be more over a shared activity. It may be over a common interest. And I think we talked about this in an earlier podcast, but I think a lot of the a lot of the roots of a relationship stem from, yes, maybe you share things mutually that maybe fit more on the superficial side, but what's really forming are those roots that have evolved, right? Like for both of us in this room, all of us in this room, like it, it, it would be pretty fun to kind of trace the content of our conversations in our 20s yeah. over the last 10 to 15 years and see how that's evolved. Now I have a question because some of our listeners I think might be saying, okay, well that's cool, you guys have partners you have you know existing friends it is also a context because we can answer it this way because we we seem to have a number of mediums in which we can bring friends into the situation uh you know whether it be existing friends or friends of our partners what advice would you have for listeners who are like okay well i don't have a lot of i don't have a girlfriend so i don't have her friends and I have some old friends who live across the country. Like, what would you suggest would be advice for people who are thinking about ways to to make friends at this stage in life, knowing that at least our identities and experiences are more similar than not? What would you say, though? I I mean, at this point, you're talking about for mid to late 30 something. Yeah, people who don't have some of the things that we have, which is maybe that extensive old friend network or... Right. Yeah. But your identity is pretty well formed at this point. Mm. So what I would say is, I mean, it's really, I I think it's actually the same for everyone at any age cohort, but probably easier when you're in the age cohort that we are. Like, Mm -hmm. find the things that you want to do that make you excited and we're, when you're excited to be doing something around other people, they will appreciate that. Mm. And you'll find, I think, that you know, if you join a group or a club where you're doing stuff with other people who love to do mm. the same stuff, you're not going to have to really try that yep. hard because yep. the interest is already shared. Yeah. That's actually easy now. Like, not easy, but easier now than it has been in the past. You have meetup groups, you have all sorts of clubs like that that you can join. You can join a volleyball league, you can join dodge, whatever it is, softball in the summertime. Like you can do that and surround yourself with people who get excited about the same things that you do. And like, that's contagious. Yeah, get off OnlyFans and get outside and get involved in real people clubs. Don't you down talk sex workers. (laughs) That's good advice, Brian. What about you, Jamel? Um, I would say um, be open-minded. Mm. Um, don't don't uh, 
box yourself into a certain place and then just be like, oh, I'm not going to talk to this person. I'm not going to be talked to that person. Yeah. Um, just, just try shit, dog. Like, I mean, mm. at the end of the day, like, what's the worst that something that's going to happen? Right. Somebody's going to be like, no, I don't want to be your friend. Right. And then, okay, cool, whatever yeah. the fuck, right? Just, like, try some shit. I think that's good advice, too. So try some stuff, find common connections, get out there. I, I think for me, too, it's change your expectations, hmm. right? Because I think when maybe you're in a phase in life where you don't have as many connections and you look at other people and you're like, well, they'll never be like the depth of friendship I had with these people earlier in life and they don't live here anymore. But like it takes time to build friendships, right? It takes time. And I think it's like you, you have to know like the expectation is not instantly are we going to just be connecting. Maybe it is finding that common interest. Maybe it's being open to somebody who doesn't meet every one of the things you think a friend should be. But I think, I, I mean, my personal belief is you got to have friends. And um, friends friends are sustaining in life. And so hopefully... I mean, humans are social animals, right? right? Like You need it. It's in your nature as a human being to crave connection yeah. Yeah. in some way. Yeah. I agree. Capitalism, capitalism kills community. Thank you for that, Jamie. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Jamie, for those off camera, Jamie just stood up for that line. <laughs> was, I didn't stand up. He came out of nowhere with that yeah. one. Speaking of connection, I, I'm really curious what we're drinking right now. Yeah, so that's actually, I was going to speak about speaking about craving. Yes. So Brian set us up perfectly because some people crave the connection. We're not we're not in the ghetto, by the way. That's just the fire bourbon that's like that. into <laughs> your body. All right, it is. Yeah, we we can reference the ghetto in this episode too. The ghetto birds. Yeah, they said twice. the ghetto birds not flying around this time. All right, so Brian, tell us what it is we're drinking. We'll show it on the camera, so when you go back to the distillery, you can say. We were drinking yeah. it, which is, by the way, fucking delicious. Yeah, this shit is great, yeah. It is really good. Brian, what are we drinking, man? Yeah, glad you guys like it. This is a distillery um, right off Main Street in Longmont, Colorado called Abbott & Wallace. Um, funny enough, I actually went there by accident this past weekend. Um, there's a little cidery actually around the corner from it um, where we had met. Brian is pouring the bourbon. He is pouring the bourbon back on the mic. Sorry, priorities. Um, so we met the owner of the cidery at the Longmont Farmer's Market, and we're trying to go there um, and went in the wrong door, and we're in this distillery, Abbott and Wallace. That's what she said. Um, yeah, exactly. The distillery? I'll keep going, Brian. Um, I get sidetracked by that one. Sorry. Um, but anyway, <laughs> we met the owner, John Abbott, I think was his name. Um, he took us for a tour through the back. It actually used to be known as Long Tucky, um, oh, which yeah. was sort of the a derisive name for Longmont that uh, used by Boulderites um, with the People's Republic of Boulder, which is very tech savvy. <laughs> you have Longmont, 17 miles to the north, very agricultural. Mm. Yeah, um, so it was sort of a derisive, Long Tucky was a sort of derisive name for Longmont, um, and the two founders were from Boulder. So they sort of leaned into it when they opened the distillery in Longmont. Um, and then I think about a year ago, they rebranded as Abbott and Wallace, named after the two founders themselves. So It is very, very tasty. So What, this, what taste are we getting? 
let's think about that. Um, just to know for those who are listening and would like to pick this bottle up, this is a single barrel. So um, again, this means it just, you probably won't find the same one. And I don't even know, do they sell this in stores or is this just this in there? This is only at the distillery. I so believe. this is a single barrel, which means that whatever they put in this one barrel is not replicated directly in other barrels. It's 104 proof, and this is their straight bourbon whiskey. So aged two years. Is it uh, pretty pricey? Is it reasonable? Yeah, what is it was pretty reasonable. Okay. It was, I want to say, like 65 bucks. So For a local not cheap, craft, but that's not, good? Not, not expensive comparatively by any means it's tasty yeah, no, i will buy good. a bottle of this myself and well you can keep this one because it's like five minutes away from my house hey, oh, oh wow well thank you um i'll drink to that yeah drink to that cheers to brian cheers, cheers to having a wallace cheers, guys. yeah so let's start with our classic what do we smell first and then what do we taste Ooh, the notes on this are very strong it is a great nose What, what, what are you guys getting? I get like a little bit of caramel leather and like vanilla. I get a little toastiness in there. I like normally it's like, yo, I can smell like a tobacco or a, mm. I don't I'm not smelling anything. But like. I don't know. I'm, I don't I don't get anything. Not that that's a bad thing. I honestly well, think it it's a good thing. Well, it could be because COVID has recently come back up. <laughs> scoot, <laughs> scoot over a little bit, Brian. Luckily, alcohol smells. I don't smell shit. Smell alcohol kills germs, so yeah. the rest yeah. of us should be inoculated. Um, sometimes when you age something for less time, the nose is less like aromatic. This one is only two years, but it has a lot of nose to me. To me, it reminds me of Ironroot Harbinger, which is a Texas bourbon. Um, let's taste it. It's got a little bit of a bite, but it finishes like really like it's it's uh I don't even know how to explain this. It does feel like a little toasted marshmallow almost. Yeah. Um, I'm sure there's <clears throat> official tasting notes. One of the things we take credit for in the show is knowing jack shit about tasting notes. So, again, anyone who really listens to this and is like they're laughing, they're laughing, then this isn't the podcast for you, bro. Um, so that on said, that, we used to have just to take us down a little sidetrack here. That's um, what we do a lot. I shouldn't. I should. <laughs> I shouldn't share this, but I will anyway. Do it. Um, we have equal. I used to work rights. in the consulting industry, mm-hmm. and a lot of consulting is taking clients out to dinner and stuff like that. And we had sort of a running joke in the group where you would always drink good wine with clients. Mm-hmm. What do you do with good wine? You tell clients what the tasting notes are. Mm-hmm. Who the fuck knows what the tasting <laughs> notes are? So <laughs> the rule that we came up with was. Regardless of what you taste, you name two fruits and a flavor. There you go. And because no one else knows what the tasting notes are either, everyone <laughs> yeah, just yeah. goes with it. I get so some like, apricot. I get, Ooh, peach. I got peach. Blackberry, apricot, and leather. And it's like, oh who's yeah, ar- yeah, who's yeah. arguing with that answer, yeah. right? Right. I got some runts. I got some a little banana runt. Yeah, you can say whatever the fuck you want, most people, is myself that, included. Is that Laffy Taffy Skittles, I'm tasting? Yep, yes, I am getting Pink like... Starburst roast, and enchiladas. Yeah. yeah, roasted Laffy Taffy with a little bit of like Verde sauce on an enchilada. <laughs> um, but that so said, think, Abbott and Wallace, very good. I'm tasting some vegan cheese. That is amazing. Mm, <laughs> it is delicious. We all had it tonight. Beyond Burgers on White Toast. Yes, mm. we did. All right, so let's go through some whiskey facts. 
Let's do it. So last time we talked about charring within the barrel. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're going to talk a little bit tonight. I'll share a few things I've, I've learned, uh, both from reading and, and going to distilleries. Real, I'm sorry, real quick, to yeah. give some context of the conversation. Why yes, are we talking you. about whiskey facts? Oh, thank you. So for new listeners or recurring listeners where we haven't done this well enough, we're talking about whiskey because um, a couple reasons. Whiskey's great around a campfire. Whiskey has been um, kind of the impetus in some ways behind this podcast. And because one of the things that I think this is kind of becoming organically is Colorado is a great fucking state for whiskeys. It's a great state for whiskeys. And I would love to be able to continue to use this space to kind of elevate like local crafts, uh, craftsmen and craftswomen, craftspersons who make great uh, whiskeys across Colorado. Are they um, crafts people or are they distillers? They are distillers, but they're also crafts people. It's like the umbrellas craftsperson. Is it is distiller would go under craftsperson or craftsperson goes under distiller? Uh, craftsperson goes uh, above distiller, correct. Okay. So here we go. Some facts. Glad we've had that visual of where the (coughs) ranking of craftsmen and distillers go. I'm a visual learner. Yes, thank you uh, for pushing for that for our visual learners as well. It's a a strong multi-language learner strategy as well. All right. Barrels and bourbon, likely a historical accident. So um, back in the day, farmers in the Midwest, in the Kentucky area, Tennessee, who were making these distilled spirits were shipping them on the rivers because they could not easily bring barrels over mountains, which would, of course, anything going east of it over the Appalachian Mountains over to the east coast. So they would, the early shipments, they put them in these wooden barrels, these distilled clear spirits, and would send them on these river boats, I assume down the Mississippi River, the Ohio all the way down to like New Orleans, but it would take a long time. And so as it would go through that process, going through these highs and low temperatures, they'd sit on these boats sloshing around. By the time the spirit got down to these river ports, these deltas, it was becoming more of what we would see as as whiskey and I think, or as bourbon, and then kind of the feedback of like, wow, whatever you sent was good. It kind of more became more aware, like, wow, if we put these in these white oak barrel, barrels, like, what we're producing is great. So I did not know that fact. Here we go again. So where whiskey gets stored, does anyone white know oak. where a whiskey is stored? There's a couple names for these places. Barrel houses or? A warehouse? You mentioned the artist's name earlier. Uh, his last name is James. His first name is? Earl Jones? Nope. Rick James. <laughs> Rick James <laughs> for Rick House. Rick houses are one of the more, is, is like where bourbon... Is um, why is stored. it called a rickhouse? Um, because Richard went with his nickname when he made them. Okay. Yep. Um, the main purpose of like the way that whiskey is distilled, like gets its flavor, is so when it's in these rickhouses and in these barrels, first of all, they're they're generally laid out horizontally, not vertically. We'll talk about that in a minute but it creates a little more surface area, a little bit more opportunity to evaporate. Mm-hmm. And the evaporation is called, does anyone know that name? The Devil's Cut. It's close. It's the opposite of it's a devil. Angel Share. Angel Share. Yeah, it's the stuff that evaporates. And so that evaporation process combined with like the hot and cold expansion and, and contraction of the wood and the um, in the barrel <laughs> su- sucks whiskey into it, releases it, moves, and it, it creates interaction with the wood. The expanding of the wood? The ex- pa- pause. <laughs> That's the angel share. 
the devil's cut is what goes into the wood. Pause. Yeah, correct. Correct. I believe that's correct. The only other thought I had is like that. No, what's the top of the whiskey that comes off that you never can drink because it will kill you and make you go blind? Oh, I know, exactly. for that too. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, that's the part that you cut off at the top. Yep. So hot and cold cycles in a barrel create the contraction or um, uh, expansion of wood, which then pulls the liquid in and out of it um, over the course of time. Barrels are usually horizontal, sometimes vertical. So Breckenridge, if I'm not mistaken, is up at a higher level of elevation. Because of the higher elevation, if it's horizontal, their barrels, because that increases the surface area, and more surface area creates a more rapid rate of evaporation, they lose like too much of their liquid horizontally, so they barrel vertically. Mm. Huh. Yeah. The other reason people barrel vertically is it's very hard to get barrels off shelves when they're when they're um, horizontal. horizontal. So you have to like take it off with either a forklift or get a couple of like strong people. Yeah, because if you roll one the wrong way, they're all going to roll off. Right, right. Mm. So palletized rickhouses are vertical storage barrels. So they put them on a pallet with four or six barrels that are vertical. But vertical prevents airflow. It, it's often more pa- tight, pa- tightly packed. And that doesn't allow the air to flow through it and create the temperature changes needed. So places that do this palletized rickhouse have to create like artificial um, heating and cooling systems often. We talked about angel share. Other cool things that places do. So um, Jefferson's, you've heard of Jefferson's Mm -hmm. whiskey. They do something called Jefferson's Ocean um, or on the ocean or whatever it's called. They put their barrels on on a ship and they drive, they Drive? What do you do with the ship? <laughs> Drive sail. the boat. Sail. It's not sailing though. What is it if yeah, it's just boat. boating, floating, boating, floating, float the boat? Sail Hopefully boat. floating. But it's not yeah. a sailboat. It's like a <laughs> voyaging. Vo- voyaging. They voyage around with a, a whiskey barrel. Other places. So um, wait, wait, wait. So they just put it on a boat and just like we're just yeah, gonna yeah. drive around. Yeah, just don't Jameson drink it. do that where they Maybe. like put a barrel on like one of those spaceships that like nice. uh, that um, Elon Musk or someone was like sending into the stratosphere. I think they That's that cool. That would be worth a lot, I'm sure. It probably tastes like shit still, but um, maybe it wouldn't. Uh, trains. So Peach Street Distillers in Palisade. Highly recommend that. We'll feature them on a future podcast, I hope. Um, they have their Rick house next to the train. And so the vibration of the train going through shakes the whiskey in a certain frequency and adds a little bit of element to it. They also move barrels around. Shit. Eh, who knows? And then the other one is Buggies. There's a distillery up in like Wyoming that puts a barrel on the back of a horse-drawn carriage and just takes people around whatever the ranch and they put the barrel on the back of it. Huh. Is it a and dude ranch? And how long do they do that for? I don't yeah, know. That's why I call bullshit. I mean, because like your, your train comes you by. You ride around every, for yeah. 15 minutes. Yeah, yeah, we ride you around for 15 minutes. The barrel's still going to be Well, it's the there time. for like three years. So it shakes like every day like five, six times. They make good bourbon, so I can't speak to. Whether I mean, no, I don't. I don't disagree. I just, I still call malarkey. Yeah, I mean, there's not a lot. We've talked about this before in this podcast. There's not a whole lot of variation. Like you can change your mash bill a little bit. You can balance out the grains differently. You can change the char level of a barrel. You can change how long it's barreled for, or you can change how it's barreled in terms of where the barrel is. Kentucky is known for its high temperatures during the day. It's cold temperatures at night. That fluctuation's good. But that's about the only thing that really modifies the flavors of, of your whiskey. would the last thing be staving, which some places are starting to do? So what's staving? I don't know what staving is. That's where they'll actually take, like, 
pieces of cherry wood mm-hmm. and put mm. them in the barrel mm. as the whiskey ages mm. to give it flavor. That's um, a great question. I wonder. Recently, yeah. Is, are you? Is this? I'm not, not. I think this is a sweet. Is a word that I'm getting. Like it. It tastes. It's sweet. It's a great. This is. I was good. gonna say yeah. I don't. I, it's, but it's not like overly like. Oh, this is super sugary or anything like you know like a crown or something like that. This is very nice. This is this is good shit. This is good. Evan Wallace, thank you for um, contributing to our enjoyment this evening. So, Out there in Long Tucky. In Long Tucky. So I, I think maybe where we can go, and Jamie, where are we, how are we doing with time? In like 40 minutes? Like 45. 45. Yeah. Well, this is good. This is a topic that is, um, we wanted to end on a light note and talk politics. Um, so I, no, I mean, obviously it's not a light note. It's not an easy conversation. And in the spirit of our show, and I was thinking about how to frame this, one, I, my goal in, in kind of creating this is that I don't want to have limits on what topic. Because, again, sitting around a campfire, you're hanging out. You know, a lot, like the goal of this is have fun, be comfortable, connect with friends. Um, the second goal is like things just come up in conversation. And um, we don't want this to be a sports podcast or a politics podcast or a whiskey podcast. I think it just is meant to be a conversation-based podcast. And my my initial thinking around this is um, this is an important part of life. And, you know, Lindy asked me the other night, she said, well, why is politics, I don't think she asked it skeptically, but, like, how do you pay attention to all of this when it's just so crazy? And I'm not going to get on, like, any particular soapbox. I think it's because the short answer is it's important. It's important. Whether we like it or not, it's part of our system. It's, it's the nature of how we operate as people. And so you got to pay attention. Um, I think that one of my hopes in creating this podcast is and continues to be that it can be a platform to not just literally have a few random guys talking about stuff, but hopefully to convey like different people of different backgrounds and different experiences can still talk about important things and not become an unserious society. Um, I think that in, in, in a different way of thinking about it, we become unserious when we can't talk about things because then it's just like, well, people who agree with me are going to be the people who I spend time with. And then you don't really have to be accountable to facts or, um, objectivity or different different opinions on things. So that's a long roundabout way of saying like I think this fits into this space. And um, I, I was more curious, particularly around the question of. Uh, I, I don't think a lot of us would have to extend very far to assume, and or not even assume, to recognize that we we're hyper polarized, and not a lot of conversation happens these days. Where I'd like to get with this is like, wh- what is our responsibility? Like, what is our responsibility as um, members of society, as in, in Jamel, in my case, parents, um, Jamie as well, uh, as mentors, as models, as hopefully, you know, people in society? What is our responsibility to help, in, a, in my opinion, would be to help us get closer to a place in which conversations across lines of difference politically can happen again? what is our responsibility in that space? So I think that's kind of my thinking. Feel free to kind of respond however you'd want, but... Um, Wait, can you yeah. <laughs> restate the question? Yeah. 
what is our responsibility to who or in creating space for like dialogue across lines of difference politically yeah as members like it or not we're all members of a political system in the united states yeah. so as a constructive participant hopefully in that system what is your or my or josh's responsibility to engage and that's a hard question. Yeah, right? it's, like, a, it's a big I, question. But I think I think the word constructive is really important there. Like, there's a temptation today to dehumanize significantly. Right. Um, you know, everyone has a demeaning nickname in some political circles, right. like stupid, childish shit like that. But it's mm-hmm. inherently dehumanizing. Like, you're talking to people who most of the time whether you agree with them or not, mm-hmm. have reasons that they think the way that they do. Yep. Whether that's right or wrong, and that's very easy for me to say as a, you know, upper middle class white male, yep. I recognize. Right. But like most people, most of the time, I think, have a reason that they think that the way that they do. And there yeah. is, yeah. as a human, there is some legitimacy that comes with that. That doesn't mean that any of us have to agree or endorse any of the, any of their right. political positions, but yeah. see them as a human first mm. and start there rather than starting at, this is someone who's wrong about everything yeah. and trying to work your way backwards to, well, actually yeah. it's a human being who's dealing with problems, whatever it might be and mm. has their own interests. It, yes. I love what you said. And I actually feel like that was such a poorly framed question on my part with so much meandering. Yeah, it was trash. Yeah, it was trash. <laughs> it was a f- pocket veto on that. If we th- still think it's good in seven days, we'll keep it. No, I'm kidding. It's going to stick around. I'm a real human. I make mistakes. That was the first one I've ever made. But, yeah. you know, I'm yeah, glad get you could your all, shit together. Over yeah, there. you could all see it and hear it. I want to come back to what Brian said. Let me just ask this affirmatively. Do we believe there is a need to have constructive dialogue in this country politically? Much better question. That's where, yes. I think there is a responsibility among all of us, kind of to Brian's point, to realize that. And I think uh, outside the Beltway, outside of Washington, this is, uh, it goes without saying, but like people are people. Like, like, for the most part, nobody is trying to kill America or nobody wants to destroy America as it is. People are just trying to be able to fill up their gas tank, put food on the table. Mm-hmm. And there are differences of opinions on how the best way to do that. But at the same time, that doesn't mean that this person's pure evil and this person is the next thing to God, right? So I think there, right. there we have a responsibility of, I think to Brian's point, humanizing each other mm-hmm. and understanding that um, it's okay to have differences just because you're, we have a difference doesn't mean that uh, you're, you're the, the antichrist. Right. You said another word that I think is important um, or you alluded to something that I think is also really important, which is, I don't know, I might make up a word here, but de-hyperbolizing everything. Yes. Like yes. ABC wants to destroy America. Yeah. DEF only wants to take your guns away. It doesn't matter. Like all of those things are intentionally inflammatory yep. and very infrequently, I think actually true. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that, I think that goes in hand in hand with what we're talking about as well. I don't, I don't know if it's a word or not, but it's a great de hyperbolizing. Yeah. Cause I, I, it's always like this person's the worst person in America. Right. And it's just right. like, bro, like chill out. Yeah, I, I, I started, maybe this wasn't where I thought I would speak to, but I, I think that would be the idea of being serious. Right. 
understand that in order to be serious, there has to be some agreement that there's a common language to speak and there's a common set of rules and like facts. We've got to agree that there's facts. And I think when people say a lot of things currently, it's not actually to be said to create change on policy. It's not said to be serious. It's said to... To win. To win, to some degree, a blood sport. But the stakes are so much higher because, you know, in 1825, you could say, you know, Andrew Jackson's a piece of shit in New York. And if he was in Ohio, it would take four days for him to get that. Because you had some guy on a horse. More like 40 days. Yeah, some guy on a horse is like, well, the first mailman didn't deliver that message, sir. He died on his mule over <laughs> the pathway from Gatlinburg. What is to, it? Uh, he, he tried uh, to the Oregon, Oregon yeah. Trail. He forded yeah. the river and he went under. And now I can take out my phone as a 14-year-old and say, I just heard Joe Biden or I just heard Donald Trump or I just heard whoever say this. And someone's going to believe that shit. Like, I believe that Josh McDaniels dressed up in a fake Halloween costume and got <laughs> fired and Jamie had to clarify that he inadvertently sent fake news and it seemed legit and that's not on Jamie that's just on the status of like it is so easy to send something incorrect very quickly I, um, and that's that makes it even harder when you're just trying to win because you don't even need to win with the rules you just need to win with how many it. people listen I think to it, it. Uh, back to what we're kind of saying what, what is our responsibility or do we have a responsibility uh, I want to change my answer I think we have a responsibility to verify mm-hmm. um right um because when jamie sent that i was like there's no fucking way that's true so i actually clicked on the link and then went back to the original tweet um and it was just like oh no this was totally a joke so like i did the fact finding it, it took me like three clicks to figure out like this wasn't true right. but there's a lot of folks who are just like i'm not gonna do the three clicks that it takes i'm angry now that right. you know yeah. i'm saying Josh it seemed believable because right. he is he was a prick <laughs> it's very, like, yeah. it seemed believable and I'm a well-read person who generally facts-checks stuff, and it's because it's a relatively, in my mind, mundane as to what right. happened to right. the quarter, the, the coach of the Raiders. But but how but many people? Happens, how many people? Really important. How many people are like, well, yeah, whatever Joe Biden says, that's that's mundane. I don't really care. Correct. About that. But exactly. then it's like, that's, so like right. how you when you extrapolate it out, it, it's like, yeah, yeah like I, I think to my to, to put a button on it is it's like I think it, it is on us as well-read. Uh, or as as individuals who are responsible for smaller individuals to right. be able to be like, hey, I actually did my due diligence to check out and see if this information is accurate or not. Yeah. So for how sure. do you? Because I think that's completely on the nose. How do you do that? Because part of the problem, you know, if you think about, um, people say politics are toxic right now. Yep. It's like they've been more toxic than this before. Like this is not the worst it's ever Absolutely. been. The one thing that is unique about today is the disinformation yep. where mm. you can go onto the internet and find air quotes facts to support any possible Whatever, yeah. position yep, yep. that you could want. Yep. And it mm-hmm. takes seconds. Mm-hmm. So right. how do you, and part of the issue here too is like, there's a big echo chamber right now that the internet amplifies massively. <coughs> so how do you try to cut through all the bullshit for lack of a better term to get to like, okay, this is something I feel like I have verified because just checking it doesn't get the job. Done. I think how, how to do it is premised on the belief that people know they should do it. 
or that they choose to want to do it. And That's so I, I think that it is a responsibility as, as an educator, as a parent, to teach kids, young people, and even ourselves to say, you know, what do they used to say with like doing construction, like measure twice, cut once. It's almost like read twice, speak or, once. Or is it knit one pearl too? <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I do that. I'm sorry. I, I, I actually never heard that phrase. Do you care to explain it? I have no, what you've never mean? heard that when you, you you've never knitted. You know what? This I, is, it, is it knitted or knit? I can't believe that Nat? Lindy has ended up with you because she is Lindy way above your. Knit. She doesn't. Knit. She is way above your break. Why? Pray that grade. is hundred percent. You true. are. You outkicked your coverage on that. <laughs> oh, one. I outkicked it. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> oh for no, sorry. This is. No, I do like this all the time. Twice. You should see me at work. I do this shit at work. I like. Oh yeah, it's like, work in, is a loose meetings. term for yeah. you. Yeah, when I'm at meetings, like I oh I derail shit yeah. all the time. When you're in the presence of other people working, you do what you do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> not sure I would call it. work. Yeah, it's not work. It's it's no. You have a good gig. Um, I I think it's like read twice, read three times before you speak, and I think it's really hard to do that because there's a lot of injustice in this world, and we want to quickly latch on to injustice, and I think everyone defines that differently. So there's no easy answer. I think, you know, yes, we agree that that dialogue needs to be created. But I have found it harder to communicate in the last 10 years than it seemed earlier than that. Mm. And I don't think it's because I may be becoming more dead set in, in my beliefs, but it's because it's almost like, you know, that SNL skit from a few years ago. It's like, careful careful they were sitting around the dinner table and they were trying to talk about like, oh, a yeah, sensitive yeah, issue yeah, yeah. and nothing could be talked about because you don't want to you know touch on something that's hard for others and i i just don't want i mean i want my kids to grow up in a space in which they can talk about difficult stuff with people they disagree with and still at the end of the day sit down and like have a whiskey or go bowling, or not just ostracize so many people without any further like in attempt to like communicate. I, I I would say make the attempt. I think we have the uh, the the responsibility to make the attempt, mm. right? To say, hey, this is the information I got. Let me go out and, and like go to somebody who I think is a reputable source, whether mm. it be, you know. Uh, Again, Fox News or if it's CNN, which I don't subscribe pretty much to either one of those. But like, hey, these are people who I think are honest journalists. Let me go out and like just make the attempt. Right. Mm -hmm. You could be wrong. You could be right. Whatever. But like, don't just like take in the information and that is gold. And I'm going to run off of that. Like, like at least try. And like I said, just try to get both sides of the story. And then like, you know, and maybe maybe the important part of that, just to take that one step further is you know, whether it's listening to CNN or Fox news, whatever, like you can't go in with an, I'm going to win mindset. Yep. That's like fair. That is you good. have that to is go good. in and be willing to listen to what to, you have to be willing to be wrong. Yeah. Like that's really what it is. I think is you have to be willing to or be not wrong. be afraid to be wrong. And, exactly. Yeah. Yep. Like, and it's sort of the same thing. Like when I think about the careful analogy, like, I think that also impacts how you engage. Like, think about Thanksgiving dinner. Yep. It's like, my grandfather's 92. I'm not convincing him of shit. <laughs> right. Nor, nor should I. Yep. Right. And it's like, and that. we don't agree. Like, but that's cool because, like, 
there's a mutual respect and yep. I I'm not going into that conversation nor is he like I'm going to turn I'm going to turn this moron around like <laughs> right. right right you bring up I think what I'm going to ask is a closing question close this shit out Hugo yeah because I think this can become a, a good future conversation as well what does it I mean we are saying like you can't go into this about saying I want to win, but I'm going to ask this question and I don't mean this. You can take it however you want it, but what would it look like in your mind to say we have won when it comes to this idea of what optimal level of discourse Democrat, like what is a win at this moment in history or in the next near moments in history for democracy look like? What does a win for democracy look like? In the next near near period of time. I think a part of the answer, and I want to hear what everyone else says and probably respond more because this is a good question, but I think a part of the answer to me is hearing more of I don't know. A part of the problem right now is everyone has to have an answer to everything. Mm. And like no one can have an answer to everything. Like. Mm you can go into a conversation and acknowledge the fact that I don't know the right answer. Like things are complicated. Humans are complicated. Anything with humans involved is going to be inherently complicated. Like the ability to acknowledge that I might solve hmm. some problems, but I'm, there's no way I'm solving every yep. problem. Like hmm. to go in with that, I don't know, humility almost. Mm. And of course we all love comfort. There's no way we don't. But if we don't embrace discomfort and we don't acknowledge when, when discomfort arises, what we choose or tend to do, then we are not doing the hard work of being human with other people. So I think those things are, are some durable strategies. And I like to always end with this question, like what, what have you learned in our conversation tonight? And Jamie, you, you're welcome to jump in on this as well when you feel... Uh, called to do so but we're gonna wrap but what did you learn what was something that came up tonight that uh showed up in this in this conversation that you're gonna take away from it learn that you're terrible at answering your own questions mm -hmm. um it means it's a good question does it <laughs> I, don't know it, I don't know what it means i'll have to uh, think about that i'll ask you guys next week what this, this sounds kind of shallow but i actually love it but i i learned about long tucky there you go. I, I, I'm actually very not not say excited, but that was something I I don't even think that I even thought of. But like the explanation behind it is actually something that's really intriguing to me. So thank you for huh. that. Yeah, that's cool. yeah. No, of course. How about you, Brian? Um, he's like I didn't learn shit from you guys. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I learned that this the would be my first and my saying. last podcast. These, these idiots are wrong about everything. <laughs> um. Yeah, I won. <laughs> I clearly won tonight. <laughs> um. I think I definitely learned about why whiskey is barreled and how that works. That's, That's kind of interesting. Yeah. yeah. Cool. But I, I also think just, I don't know if learning is exactly the right term, but like, I always feel like having conversations like this one where you can be constructive, mm -hmm. like have good dialogue, like you absorb something from that. Mm -hmm. I don't know if there's like a discreet thing that I learned, but I think these conversations make us all better. So yeah, um, I'd, I'd put that in the same category, frankly. Cool. 
I think for me, I'll go back to that friendship conversation. I like what both of you had shared as ideas. Um, but I, I think the Make- idea that making friends takes effort and work, that sometimes you just got to go out on a limb and sometimes you got to make the effort um, and also can appreciate. I think the other thing that I really reflected on as you guys were talking is I'm very happy with who my friends are and the amount of friends I have and the connections I have because the roots are strong. And, um, you know, maybe someday Darren and I will hang out. Um, (laughs) But I'm also very happy to have friends I do, and I'm grateful for that. So those are my learnings. Um, Jamie, would you like to add anything to this closeout? Yeah, I just learned uh, I ran out of memory on my computer and had to, like, delete some shit real quick, so we lost, like... uh two minutes of that recording hopefully we're, it wasn't we're back the, on track for that hopefully it wasn't the best part it was like there was a moment and i was like damn dude it's really a shame we're missing this right <laughs> <laughs> well that part won't show up there will be an awkward pause we'll fix that in post but thanks brian jamel jamie yeah. episode four campfire conversations fireplace conversations we've also learned that jamel hates fireplaces stupid fucking uh, stupid fucking fireplaces but um thank you guys for joining thanks for the bourbon yeah and hope you guys tune in hopefully in a few weeks where my brother zach hugo will join this podcast and uh, we'll ramble on about all sorts of stupid shit and i think you will hopefully enjoy it <laughs>